everyone. Welcome back to the Camera Brooks Podcast. Last night, I did a webcast with four alumni from the June 2021 Career Conference, two of whom have already accepted offers and they've already secured their next position and their, their next company. And the other two have multiple offers that they're evaluating in the moment. I selected this group in particular because three different services are represented, uh, different experience levels and just its experience in general. Uh, but also in this group of the four on the, on the webcast, one person had been in the program for about the development preparation program for about three years and in in the that was the longest duration and then another person had been in the program for four or five months and so you you hear a little bit of the kind of the preparation but they've all were successful at the conference but you hear the advantage in being in the development preparation program just a little bit longer to let officers work through the preparation program and not feel so rushed. And so cover a lot of cover a lot of ground here in the webcast. Biggest surprise at the conference. I asked them what they thought they did really well before the conference. I, you know, we talked about okay, if you could do one thing differently, what would that be? What's the biggest thing you learned? Favorite interview? And then at the end, there was a, a brief Q and A, three or four or five questions that popped up that we uh, that we worked through. So, you know, we do these post conference webcasts with alumni officers who recently finished the conference are in the follow-up interview process or done with the follow-up interview process. But the reason we do this is we want to encourage officers, those that are deciding to get out of the military, those that maybe haven't decided yet or are still trying to collect data and information. What's the conference like? Is it is it everything Cameron Brooks says it is? And so hopefully through the voice, again, of some of our alumni, you'll appreciate their experience and, and, and in doing so, see how it may look for you as well. If you have any questions about Cameron Brooks, who we are, what we do, we've got a load of information on our website, Cameron-Brooks.com, or just call me directly. You can reach me in the office. I'm here most days, 210-874-1500. You can also send me an email directly. My email address is my name, Pete, P-E-T-E at Cameron-Brooks.com. All right, without further ado, Here's a recording of the webcast of our alumni from the June 2021 Career Conference. So first on the list, Cliff Crawford, graduated from Military Academy, 2013 mechanical engineering degree, Army aviation officer, was in the program for three years. Saw each other in Germany a couple of times, um, at least a couple of times. Well, you and I saw each other a couple of times. You probably saw other people as well. Um, but uh, glad to have you. Thanks for being on the call, Cliff. I appreciate it. Okay. Rachel, in the program, eight months, graduated from Military Academy with a, a Geo Information Systems. Am I saying that right, Rachel? Because I wrote GIS, I didn't have a lot of room. Yeah, that's close enough. Okay, close enough, right. So Army Engineer in the program, eight months. Glad you're here, Rachel, thank you. Okay, John, John Sadler, University of Delaware, 2012, chemistry major, Air Force Space Ops, in the program, six months. And I wrote the company, like, Cliff and Rachel have received offers, but they have not accepted an offer yet. So I didn't put their company. However, John has already accepted an offer in a sales position with Intuitive Surgical. So put that on there. Congratulations, John. Thanks for being here. And Steve, Naval Academy 15, Systems Engineer, Marine Corps Logistics in the program, four months, accepting a marketing position with ConMed, which is a leading medical device company. So that's that's the panelists. That's who that's who we've got. And I and I I personally invited all four of them to be on the call because I knew that their perspective was different one to another. And I felt like each of each person on the call could provide some very specific and different perspectives. So glad you all are here again. Thanks for being here. All right. So any i'm gonna i'm gonna lead the questions but but you know once we get into the q a so i'll i'll guide them through questions for maybe 15 20 minutes something like that and then we'll we'll do you know you know we'll field questions for as long as they come in you know i assume they won't come in all night but we'll field questions for as long as they come in but i'll start and i and i like i said i've given these folks some questions already but um you know, you can ask questions about preparation, you can ask about the conference, you can the follow up interview process, best practices, I'll cover some best practice stuff. So, but even as I'm ask, asking questions, if that begs another question, type it in. And, uh, and that's the way we'll take it. Okay. 
So I'm going to get off the screen share and we're going to we're going to go with this. Yes. Okay. Very good. All right. So I'm going to kick us off. Um, and the first question that I have, and we'll, 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 I, we've already kind of set it up on how we'd ask the questions, but I'm going to start with Rachel. Rachel, what was the biggest surprise to you? And you're in the, we, we worked a lot together. You were heavy in a study group, so we, we interacted a lot prior to the conference. What was the biggest surprise that you experienced at the career conference? So I think the biggest surprise for me was honestly just um, the conversationalness of the, the interviews. Um, they do, some companies will have like a script prepared almost with questions that, you know, they're going to go through. But I would say in almost every um, interview I had, there was at least 10 to 15 minutes where you were just, you know, talking back and forth and able to ask questions. So I think that was something that, you know, you did tell us about and prepare us for, but it was something that until you're really experiencing it, I don't think you're actually understand uh, kind of the context of it. So, so I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit because you're right. I mean, I can, I can say that and it's hard because it was, um, you know, like you said, it was structured at least to a degree. People had questions prepared that they had, but, but there was also a period of back and forth. So knowing what you know now, how do you prepare for that? Can you prepare for that? Uh, I think you definitely can. I think first of all, just having like a good awareness of yourself kind of is definitely able, enables you to answer kind of more of the off the cuff, you know, topics or questions that come up. And then for me, something I, I did was for every interview I went in, I had three questions prepared. So at least when they're like, do you have any questions? It wasn't like, oh, let me, you know, let me think of something. It was like, I had my go-to questions. And I think what I try to do is make it specific for each company. So it wasn't asking the same three, three questions for each company. It was, how can I like make it specific for, for this? Like if it was Johnson and Johnson, how can I make it specific for them or, you know, another company? So I think that was something that uh, kind of enabled me to get the, the conversation going. Beautiful. Cliff, weigh in. How about you? What was the biggest surprise that you experienced at the conference? Yeah, sure. I think the biggest surprise for me was, uh, I mean, you definitely will hear this throughout the entire, you know, process with Cameron Brooks. You know, I was looking for three years. Um, I knew it was going to be busy, but it was really, really busy. Um, and that was a little bit intimidating to me going in. Um, but as you go through, you know, your Saturday and your, your Sunday and you go through your prep, when it comes time for, for Monday and Tuesday, it's going to be really, really hectic, but you're going to be ready. I actually called Pete you know, I think on Saturday night and I was like, I have so many interviews coming up. I, I don't know how to prep properly, how, how to prioritize it. And he said, Hey, just, you know, go through the information sheets, you know, just, just get an overview. We're going to prepare you for it. And I felt ready to go, you know, when it came time to actually, you know, you know, do the interviews with the company. Excellent. Thank you. I remember the call by the way, and I'm glad you called. Now, let me just kind of put an exclamation point on that. A lot of times, and, and at the conference, you'll know you can call us, you all. I mean, so this is, you know, they, everyone on this call already knows that. But for those listening, like, you don't have to wait. First of all, you don't have to wonder and try to figure out, like, can I, you know, figure out stuff on your own? I mean, you've decided to partner with Camera Books for a reason. And, and it's, it's because you expect a partner, someone to help you navigate. And so as you're working through pre-conference, uh, interview prep, whatever, like, call, text, email. And if you don't have my contact information, I'll give it to you at the end. You can always call me directly, day or night, weekend. If I don't answer, I answer unrecognized phone calls all day, most of which are robocalls. Sometimes if I have time, I'll sit and chat with them for a little while. <laughs> Nevertheless, um, I will take your call. And if I don't answer, it's because I can't answer. Okay. All right, so let's keep going. Steve, you're up next. What, um, what do you think you did? So you were in the program four months, right? Am I thinking about that right? Four months. Okay. So you were, you were jumping through hoops to get ready to be prepared for the conference. What did you do really well before the conference that you felt like helped you to be successful at the conference? Yeah. So the main thing that I did really well before the conference was definitely get into a, a good study group as soon as possible and then keep following up with that study group. Um, so it was after one of like our intermediate, uh, question and answer webcasts that you guys put on, um, met a couple of other people in the Cameron Brooks program, got a study group together and we sat like two or three days each week where we would meet, 
Um, we started out slow, just like reading our answers to, to questions that we've uh, typed up, but eventually I like, got a more, more advanced taking example company information sheets and basing our questions off the specific job position, uh, coming up with questions based off that job description, and then eventually like going through a mock full interview where one of us is acting like the interviewer and just giving some background about the company and then asking questions uh, to kind of get used to that conversational interview type uh, thing that we, we all went through. Uh, so that definitely helped. And, and being very honest and critical during those, those group sessions, because you don't want to like build people up and tell them they have a good answer when they didn't even really answer the, the question that was asked. Um, so that was one thing that my group did really well was we were very critical of our answers and, and gave positive and negative feedback to, to when we were doing answers. And I, I think we all did extremely well because of that during the conference. One of, and, and, and just as you described it is most certainly, in my mind, the most prescribed, the best prescribed way for a study group. And I'm actually, we're creating some products right now to help help solidify what you just said in in a little bit more of a specific term one follow-up question to that though is how you know you you did a little role playing right where one of you were like you said acting like you were the hiring manager and you know how do you when you don't have the experience in in you know that company or in business in general that's a hurdle that i see people sometimes struggle with in their prep how did you guys do it just made it up we, we yeah. did the best that we could yeah. um and it, it kind of, I feel like it helped during the actual interviews too. Cause like I was just making up information about ABC company mm -hmm. and asking random questions that kind of fit the, the job position. Uh, but when you're actually in the interviews during the career conference, like when the hiring manager is telling you about the company, like it's usually the Cameron books, like they do give you some company information before you go into the interviews on Saturday and Sunday. But some of the information is like me hearing it for the first time. So when I was on the receiving end of those role-playing scenarios yeah. and my, like Charlie was making up company information. I'm like, all right, I need to take in this information, understand it. So when I give my answer, like I'm, I'm targeting my answers to what extra information that he's giving me that necessarily wasn't on the, the company briefing sheet. So it was, we just made it up on the fly, but it yeah. definitely, definitely helped. Excellent. Yeah. Perfect. Thank you. All right, John. How about, can I throw that question to you as well? What uh, what did you do well before the conference that allowed you to be successful? Yeah, absolutely, Pete. So I think it really comes down to two pieces. Uh, the first is prepare, prepare, prepare. Um, I had six, seven months thereabouts to work through the DPP. Um, and like Cliff said, uh, the conference weekend is gonna be chaotic. It is going to be hectic no matter what. Uh, so no amount of preparation can save you from that or prevent that. But uh, with that said, if you are unprepared going into that weekend, I, I can't even imagine how miserable it will be. So having that necessary preparation in advance, having all of your questions worked out to a T, perfected, um, that, that is an essential prerequisite to going into that inevitably chaotic conference week. And then the second piece is exactly what Steve said. Uh, find some good buddies to practice with, people that are going through the program as well, people that you can trust, um, and, and get to know them, have fun with them, work on that uh, rapport building. I know Cliff and I did a lot of preparation together, and it wasn't just focused on questions out of the DPP. It was focused on getting to know each other, getting uh, conversational skills, and it's actually a lot of fun. Uh, and then what I found in the conference weekend during the interviews, it was busy, it was crazy, um, but it was also enjoyable for the same reasons that Rachel said. A lot of those interviews are conversational and having that necessary prep uh, made it a lot more fun. All right. So does everyone notice how um, John brought in everyone else's answer? That is good interviewing right there. <laughs> that was a good example. Thank you. <laughs> Excellent. All right, Rachel, let me kick it back to you. All right. So we talked about big surprises and what people did well, knowing what you know now. Well, and, and again, I know that you and I worked a lot together, and I also know you were very invested in your study group with um, John and Joey, right? Wasn't that your group? Yeah, you were. So, so I know you were working hard, but knowing what you know now, what would you have done differently? I think definitely we spent a lot of time kind of just kind of like what, uh, you know, Steve said, and, you know, others have said, is just trying to make it more conversational, even, even though if you don't have the answer, 
or yeah. like, you know, you don't know what company you're going to be pretending to be. So just like kind of don't be afraid to make stuff up because honestly, some of the stuff you hear during the conference is going to sound just like made up stuff anyways. <laughs> when you talk about like the projects they're working on. You're like, okay, like I'm just, you know, you just got to roll with it. So I think definitely I could have done, done that a little bit better. But yeah. I think what did help me was just having a good, like, even though you do practice um, certain answers, having a good understanding of, of those responses. And even if you don't say it perfectly, just kind of having that baseline to, to go back and have a solid answer. Um, so, you know, some, sometimes like the conversationalness of it, like will catch you off guard, but then just having a good, good solid base will help you kind of answer those questions. Sounds good. What about you, Steve? What would you do differently? Something that I realized in my prep going into the, the weekend was tailoring my resume a little more to my significant accomplishment answers. Um, if, like, cause that's all the recruiters or the, the interviewers get like to, to base like our interviews off was, is your resume. Like that's the only background information they receive. So if I was able to tie some of my answers to their questions better into my resume beforehand, they would have, I feel like they would have had like a better understanding of, of what it was that I did in my military career. Um, and they weren't just relying on my answers and they could have maybe ask like a little more pointed questions. Um, so I still feel like I answered their questions well, but they, they were like surprised by my answers and like the, the details that I was given giving them when if I were just included that a little more in my resume, they, they probably would have uh, been, a, I don't know, like better receiving my answers or not as surprised by my answers. But um, that was something that if I had known it earlier or had more time or like done my questions before my resume, but with my shortened timeline, I had to get my resume done quickly and then start developing my, my answers. But if I had more time and could do it again, that's something that I'd kind of flip flop. So how did, how did you end up pulling that off at the conference? I, I'm not fully, I'm not quite following what you're saying. So what, how, how can I take that or how can someone take that and, and make sure to do it right on the front end? Yeah. So like for one of my positions as a company commander, I, my, under the resume, those, the two bullets were like very broad, mm -hmm. but throughout the interviews, when I'd get questions about like my company commander time, there was this one specific significant accomplishment that I'd keep bringing up in my answers. And I was like, you know what, if I just had that answer in a little more detail mm. under that bullet, instead of them asking me like, Hey, what's this company commander thing? They could have been like, Hey, what was that thing where you redid the, the training pipeline for all of your inbound Marines um, stuff, stuff like that. I feel like would have been a little more beneficial. So we were both on the same page and I wasn't like getting them up to speed during my answers. Sure. Um, anything else to add to that? Chris and John, uh, Cliff and John, any, any, uh, any other ideas about doing things differently? Yeah, I, I would recommend uh, tackling the reading list second and focusing on the DPP first, because I did it the other way around and it worked out in the end. Um, but with some hindsight, um, I think the uh, the reading list is less time sensitive. That is stuff that you can uh, read and go through as you are preparing in the weeks before the conference. Um, but having that DPP stuff done uh, months in advance, and, and for folks on the line here, if you're preparing for the August conference, it, it may be too late for that, but I'd recommend prioritizing DPP first so that in that last month or those last few weeks, uh, as you are reading through the books, you're also able to fully practice with all of your preparation intact. And if I may jump in on that and just kind of throw throw a little bit more fuel on that, you know, and I, I don't know if it's necessarily kind of a sequential as, a, as much as a concurrent. Yeah, I think I think focusing on the reading and not the DPP is probably not the right way. I'm not so sure focusing on the DPP and not the reading isn't the best way because I think that there are things that come out in the reading, even if it's a power read, where you're like, oh yeah, I've kind of done that in the military. So if I may just put a finer point on that, um, I would say don't prioritize. Instead, try to find concurrence. Now, no one's going to give you a job offer because you said, I read what is Six Sigma, right? Got to appreciate that. But having an idea around what Six Sigma is and how it relates to your experience in certain interviews could be very helpful. So do you need to read every book cover to cover? No way. Unless you're a reader, unless you just like to do that. 
the, what's more important is taking in the, the big, big chunk concepts so that you can think about how your military experience relates. So thank you. That, that was right. definitely my thought process for, for doing the reading early. I was thinking that if I get the reading in, yeah. that will help influence my answers. Right. I, I'm definitely not advocating avoiding the reading. The reading yeah. is very <laughs> crucial for me and extremely helpful. Sure. Um, but but finding out how to do it concurrently, that's that's definitely tricky, trying to figure out what goes with what. Um, but having the DPP done and polishable uh, several months in advance, that, that would be my ideal situation if I did it again. I think that's right, especially, and that's my, that was my problem with the reading program as an, as an officer in the, pro, in, the, in, the, in the camp work program before my conference is the way that I read, I want to try to retain it all. I want to take all the notes. I want to kind of remember it all. And that's not really the concept or that's not really the idea behind the reading program. The idea behind the reading program, again, big chunks, really kind of understanding big concepts and ideas. So, okay, let me throw this one at you, Cliff. What do you, what's the biggest thing you learned? And, and actually, let me take one off the table. No one can say, I learned how to interview well. I mean, that, I mean, I feel like that's a given. I want it to be a given. Tell me more, something else though. What did, what did you learn at the conference? Yeah, definitely, Pete. So I learned how to interview really well. So, <laughs> no, I mean, like really- Okay, next um, question. I mean, really, I, I think um, you, you really have to figure out how to bring your personality, you know, to the interviews, you know, how to be expressive, especially, I don't know how the conference is going to go. You know, if it's going to be virtual, you have to find a way, you know, to be expressive, use your hands, you know, smile. Um, you know, I, I definitely practice that with John, you know, and that's something that we talked a lot about, you know, bringing your personality out there because you can go through the DPP, you can read the flashcard questions, you can, you know, become an interview robot and that's okay. Um, but if you bring your personality out a little bit more, you can definitely connect a little bit more with, uh, you know, with your actual interviewers and it's going to lead to better conversations. It's going to feel more comfortable and more casual when you do that. Yeah. Steve, weigh on that. Weigh in on that as well. What um, what did you learn at the conference? Uh, I just have to say, like everything that Cliff said was absolutely true. Um, that like being smiling, looking at the camera during the interviews, um, that went miles uh, with the the people I was interviewing with. So those are definitely good points. Um, something that I learned was to answer the question uh, that the recruiters are asking you as it applies to the position that you're interviewing for. So you have like your, your canned answers to the DPP questions. Um, and those are good, like to practice. So you have a general understanding of what it is that you've done and how to answer those significant accomplishments, but like putting yourself in the position, listening to what the, the interviewers are really asking you and then answering that question and to like how, how it's going to help in that position. Um, that was something that I, I had to like learn on the fly and develop. But as you went on throughout Monday and Tuesday and you did more interviews and you started listening to, to specifically like what the position was going to be about what the company, what industry they're in. Um, and then they asked their question. It, it really helped connect my experience in the military to the job position, which went a long way in my success and like the follow on process as well. So how do you do that before, for those listening, how would you do that before the conference? I, in my mind, you already described it at least a little bit in that study group, but how do you, how do you put yourself in the job before the conference, before you actually have the job in front of you? Yeah, the, the study groups definitely help just practice that. But when you get, it, it starts on the Wednesday when you find out like what companies you're going to be interviewing with. And then on Friday, when you get the, the actual company, the job descriptions and the company information sheets, like that's when like your, your time to develop all your, your answers is done. And you need to start like specifying like, all right, which of my significant, significant accomplishments relates the most to this position? And what do I need to bring out in that significant accomplishment that ties to the industry, the job position um, and have that written down on your worksheet? but then also like actively listen to the question that's being asked because all of that prep work like might not be used at all because just based off the questions that they ask. Um, and then you'll have to be prepared with all your other prep work to, to answer the question as best you can, but just using the worksheets and, and doing the research that 
starting on Wednesday, but definitely through Sunday to, to kind of refine your answers to best fit each position for each company for each interview. And, and let me just say this, and I know a couple of you on the call have probably done this. There are sample, just for those listening, there are sample, there are 12 company information sheets on the DPP website right now. So what Steve is saying, I, I end up saying this to people all the time, put yourself in the job, answer your questions in direct relation to the functional nature of the work you're interviewing for. And so what he said is accurate and true. However, there is more to the story. And that is there are actual physical training aids, if you will, which are fictitious company information sheets that you can use in your study group right now. So you don't have to wait until Wednesday or Friday before you come to the conference. Like you, you know, ideally you should be grabbing those before the conference so you can start practicing that and uh, ultimately come to the conference and not, it's exactly what happened to me, by the way, I tell the story all the time. I, I was in a study group with two other guys and, and then I walked out of my first inter my first briefing that Chuck did and it was a sales interview. And I was like, like, I, I didn't know how to connect my background. So I grabbed Chuck after the thing and I was like, I don't know how to connect my background. And he said like three words to me and like 20 light bulbs just went off all of a sudden. And so, the more that you can kind of get those light bulbs going off before the conference, the better. All right, Rachel, let me throw this one to you. How, how are you, and it's a similar question, like, okay, so now you're through the conference, soon to be through the follow-up interview process, you're on literally days away from saying yes to a company. How did you grow through this experience or how did you get better professionally? Uh, so, Pete, I think the biggest thing is just the knowledge. Um, I learned a lot just about the companies and how the, each company is kind of structured. Uh, it's kind of difficult to have that real world, I guess, information coming from the military. We're not really exposed to it, or at least I wasn't. But, you know, each of the companies, you know, I had the five follow-up interviews um, after the initial round. So I actually just, I've learned a lot about each one of those companies, you know, that I wouldn't have really learned or had any information about before so you kind of just learn about the lingo and like different what for like moving from the first round to the second you kind of pick up on okay these are like some of the, the key things that this company wants or like maybe in the first round you notice like people were really like interested when you started talking about this certain uh, experience that you had so kind of i think each round you kind of grow and learn in terms of like what would actually make you a good fit for this position? Um, where like when you first go into the conference that you are kind of just like a blank slate. You don't really know what each company wants other than, you know, you do get the information sessions on Saturday and Sunday, but it's kind of hard to have that, that real world application of it until you're talking like face to face with someone. Well, how would you get, how, what advice would you give to someone in terms of getting over that hurdle? Cause sometimes that's a hurdle that people are unwilling to, to even attempt to jump over. Like if I can't figure out, who I'm interviewing with long before I ever show up, it's not worth it to me. And, you know, I, okay, that that's a method obviously, but how do you, how would you help someone who, who is struggling with that specific topic? Like, what would you say to like a friend going through it in a couple of months? I think that the biggest thing is, so when you do like the first thing that I did is I would ask questions, but I would actually I mean, answer, ask questions that obviously would show my interest and the ability to have to fill a certain role, but also ask questions like that are going to give you insight or information to, you know, the position that you're, you're trying to get, because at the end of the day, you're going to have to narrow it down from, you know, the first round to the second. So really taking the time and, you know, not being afraid. I mean, don't ask silly questions, but a lot of times the people you're interviewing with do want to answer you answer questions specifically about the job. Um, and then also kind of looking at the people who you're going to be interviewing with. Uh, when you get your schedule, you'll get a list of, you know, your potential interviewers. And so a lot of the times you'll be interviewing with people who are in the position now. So kind of tailoring your responses and I guess the things you discuss to like that level um, of person. So, I mean, it's going to me talking to someone who would like be potentially my boss is going to be different, I guess, than someone who's would be my peer in this in the future job. So. Yeah. Yeah, that was something that, you know, I think I kind of learned going from the first round, you know, through the second and even the third round. So, okay, let me let me throw this question at you. Stay, we'll stay with you, Rachel. What was your favorite interview and why? Uh, that's kind of a difficult question. Um, so I think my favorite interview was actually so the national indemnity ones. I enjoyed a lot because it was more so just asking me questions about my, my personal like leadership style. 
Um, and I thought that was just easier to talk about more so than all they really cared about was like how I, how I lead. They did ask for like some examples, but it was more so like, what's your philosophy on this? So that was kind of just a fun, like conversational question. Um, and then also with that one, I had to do like a test, go take like a test um, to like before to close out, I guess, interview process. So that was kind of just like an, an interesting aspect of, of that interview. So like, like, uh, like, what'd you think about how we interviewed you type of test? No, like it, I think it was like an IQ test. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay, cool. All right, let's go, let's go around the horn. I'd like to hear all of you answer that question. Um, John, how about you? What was your, what was your favorite interview and why? So my favorite interview was actually intuitive surgical. And the one I'm you not said saying yesterday. that just because I've accepted their offer. Mm -hmm. I, I actually accepted their offer because that was my favorite interview. Um, but it was just two, two guys that were very easy to converse with. It was a very conversational style interview, but there were specific questions, specific points that they were looking for. And I would give my answer in, in a, a conversational thought out way. And then they would ask follow-up questions, digging into the concepts that I introduced a little bit deeper. Um, and we really just had great rapport. It was a lot of fun. And I, I will remember that interview fondly. And, and that's part of why I'm looking forward to working with them so much. Now, before the conference, John, were you thinking about giving you, I mean, were you thinking about intuitive surgical? I was. It was in my top three. Uh, I know we're not supposed to rank them too much before the conference. So I, I kept an open mind. But, but inevitably, there's a, a classification that occurs where things seem more intriguing or, or yeah. less intriguing. Um, and, and that was part of the cool part of the, the conference as well. I interviewed with insurance company, medical device sales positions, uh, finance position. There was just an amazing uh, diversity of positions that I never thought I would be qualified to interview for. But as I read each of the information sheets and about each of the companies, realizing that, that I could actually make the case uh, for why I might be good in these positions. And I might actually enjoy being in all of these positions. Having that uh, self-awareness was really helpful. So I, I, I didn't ask the question well. What I meant to say was like, all right, let's say a month before the conference, were you thinking about intuitive surgical? No, I, I had never heard of most of my companies a month before the conference. Isn't that cool? I just love, I mean, it's not fun. It's fun to talk about when you're sitting yeah. where you're sitting. It's not super fun to talk about a month ago, but but it is the case, right? Because most of the, like, think about intuitive surgical just for a moment. Um, they don't sell to people like you and me. You can't run down to right. your local medical device supply store and buy a $1.5 million surgical robot. Not a thing. So Yeah, and in fact, I can even remember uh, attending the webinar several months ago. This this webinar, just for, for the June conference, Yeah. And I remember taking a screenshot of all the, the companies uh, slide, uh, just showing the different company logos, not because I knew I would be interviewing with any of these companies, but just to get a sense of, of what some of them were and what they did and what I might be doing several months from then. And, and it's difficult for everyone listening on the line right now. I, I know there's a lot of anticipation. You're looking forward to knowing what options are available to you. And it's a little bit scary stepping off into the abyss, taking that leap of faith and, and telling friends and family that, yeah, I'm, I'm getting out of the military. No, I don't know where I'm going. No, I don't know what I'll be doing. Um, but I was really well taken care of. Cameron Brooks knows what they're doing. They do it well. And I'm not getting paid by them to say this, <laughs> but uh, that was that was the best decision in my transition. You're not getting paid yet. The check is in the mail. <laughs> Um, all right, Cliff, your turn. What about you? Who, who was your, what was your favorite interview and why? Yeah, absolutely. So I think my favorite interview was, I, I did one with Corning Life Sciences in New Jersey, um, and it was for an engineering uh, manager position. And, you know, what, what I really liked about it was the way that he asked questions. It was very personal, um, but he asked me some very unique questions. So, you know, one of the questions he's like, you know, if you're going through a manufacturing process and it's a tennis ball manufacturing plant and it's making green tennis balls. That's supposed to be what's coming out and you're getting pink tennis balls. What would you do? You know, and it, it kind of made me scratch my head, but it made me realize that, you know, he really wants to get into how I would solve a problem. 
And to me, it was kind of exciting because I kind of got to walk through exactly how I would do it and, you know, kind of connect with him and he could, you know, ask me questions about the process. And it was kind of fun. And he did a couple like that. Well, and I like that because for those who are listening, like use that in your study group, maybe not the tennis ball one, but like go off the grid a little bit when you're, when you're weeks before the conference, as Steve described earlier, and you're in that kind of heavy role play type of scenario and interview practice, asking off the grid questions like Cliff just described is a great way to get people thinking and talking and kind of out of the box of, you know, bluff star. Do I think bluff star is important? Of course I do. Is it like, you know, you know, should you be wrote and memorized? Of course not. So anyway, that's cool. That's great. Thanks, Cliff. All right, Steve, last one. How about you? Favorite interview and why? Uh, my favorite interview was my very first interview. Uh, I was with Eurofins and it was my favorite because the first question I got was, so tell me about yourself. And I did like 30 seconds on high school, 30 seconds on college. And I'm like, all right, this is my time to shine about to go into my military career. And David Bryant, who's a prior Marine, was like, no, I don't care about any of that. Let's go back to high school. Let's go back to college. I'm more concerned about getting to know you, not not your military career. So like having that be my first interview out the gate where I didn't really give a significant accomplishment. It was more just like, tell me about you. Tell me about your family. Why did you want to go to the academy? Why did you want to be a Marine? Um, that was a, a really good interview for me. And uh, it was a great way to kick off the conference um, and that was that was my favorite inter- interview. Yeah, that'd be, and that that would be a fun interview. But uh, and it'd be great if they were all like that. But uh, that was probably maybe maybe the only one like that. But maybe not. Did you have any more that were similar? Um, there were. I was actually surprised by uh, so a lot of the the positions that I went for were very cross functional leadership driven. Um, so I did get a lot of fit questions. Like, how will my personality fit with the team or the company that's already established, which kind of did take away from the significant accomplishment questions and answers. Um, so I was surprised about that. But, yeah, I got a lot of questions about, like, what do you do during your free time? Uh, what hobbies do you have? Um, and that kind of they were they were asking those questions to see if, like, my hobbies fit with the location and the position that they're hiring for. So there was like some subtleties in why they're asking the questions. Uh, but, yeah, like. Most, most of my interviews were pretty relaxed towards the end when they're just trying to get to know me to, to see if I'd be a good fit. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Um, we've already spent a little time here. Let me just do I'll – do, I'll, yeah, we've already hit the ground here. We're, we're already at 51 after, so I'm going to go ahead and open it up uh, to any questions that were, that were out there. Um, and this one was asked, but then, but then it might have might have been moved to answer. Um, yeah, I, I answered oh, you this question oh. in text. But if anyone else has a different answer, <laughs> well, let me throw it out there. Let me throw it out there out loud, and then uh, and then uh, Steve, why don't you just answer it out loud for for those that are listening? So Neil asked if you interviewed with the same company but multiple positions. I assume in the same interview. Was it with the same interviewer? If so, how did that impact the interviews? So uh, you've, you've typed that in, obviously, but kind of throw that out there. Yeah, so my specific case is I had two Corning company interviews, but for two different positions, two different uh, divisions of Corning, and they were with different interviewers. So that, that was my, my first example. But then there was another example. It was for... Um, Edwards Life Sciences. I got the brief sheet. It had only one position on it, but when Chuck, when he was giving the the company brief, he gave everyone who was interviewing with Edwards for that specific position the heads up. Like there are also going to be people on that interview interviewing for a completely different position in a different location. So going into that interview was a little uh, different where I was preparing for a job description that I had, but I was also answering questions for a job that I didn't have a description for, so it was very unique, but um, I, I did experience both. But I think the norm is two different interviews, two different interviewers. Uh, mine were even on different days, but for the same company. Yeah, yeah. And by the way, for those, um, for those I assume you, everyone's picking this up, but if you have any questions, now would be the time to start typing those in. Um, and so at this last conference, there was, you know, Corning wasn't really doing much recruiting during the pandemic, and now they're doing 
a lot of recruiting. So um, there was multiple operating companies within Corning, most of whom didn't know each other. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, like you said, Steve, they were even on different days. But John, maybe, maybe tackle this. And Steve started to answer this as well. But what about when you walk into an interview and, you're, and they're representing at least two open positions and you're, and you're really on for both of them? You know, it, you know it, did, well, first of all, did you have that experience? So I can think of one situation where it was a single interview, single company, but two different positions. There you go. Uh, and, and really, their job and your job is to A, figure out if you would be a good fit, period, with the company. But then B, if you are a good fit, which position makes more sense? And, and so in my case, um, they we talked about the, the two different positions a little bit. But at one point, they also asked me what I thought I would be better suited for. And so I gave my answer and my rationale and my reasons um, without disqualifying myself from the other position. Right. Um, and then they gave their thoughts as well uh, with, with their explanations. Uh, but really, when you run into that situation, it's uh, putting yourself in the position of both, both scenarios uh, and making the case for why you would be good for either. And then if you are asked for a uh, preference, you can you can explain that, uh, just making sure you're remaining open to, to both. It's good. It, remind, it, it actually helps, it kind of helps me think of another question. Rachel, I'm gonna throw this question at you. Um, I think before the conference, a lot of times people are kind of thinking like, pe companies are looking for ways to rule me out. I don't think that's the case. I get the sense that companies are like looking, I mean, they're, you know, looking for ways to rule people in, which I believe is a bit of a mind shift. Tell me, just maybe just weigh in on that. What do you think about that? Yeah, I don't really think in my, in my position or like my experience, I don't really feel like that was, people were trying to necessarily rule me out. I think it was like, how can we make this person fit in this job? So like, maybe if you weren't really hitting a mark in a certain area, they would ask you like a more specific question to see like, okay, we actually want to know the answer to this. She's not really, you know, getting there on her own, like yeah. maybe we can help her along. Yeah. Uh, especially in the first round, I noticed that more, more so than in the second round, just because mm -hmm. I think in the first round, they want to have a larger, you know, a larger pool of people to like, you know, potentially go on to the, to the second round for the follow-up, so. Yeah, I think what I was thinking though too, and I guess I hadn't really, it really hadn't crossed my mind this way, but like before you get to the conference, not knowing what to expect, thinking like, oh, I better not screw, you know, I better not say anything wrong or I better not mess this up or they'll rule me out. And it's just not as like rigid as that. Cliff, you, weigh in on that, talk, talk to me. It sounds like, or it looks like you might agree. Yeah, definitely. I mean. I think that, that, you know, Rachel really nailed it. I, there were definitely some times where they would ask me a question and, you know, maybe I, I was off my game a little bit and I kind of would stumble over it and they would ask some clarifying questions because they're not just going to be like, man, this guy is an idiot. You know, they, they are going to give you an opportunity to, to try to clarify things. And I think that what I realized with almost all my interviews, maybe with the exception of one or two that were extremely rigid, where you could tell they had, you know, 10 questions that they were going to get through. Most of the other ones were, you know, kind of that back and forth, and they really want to get to know you. They really want to get to know who you are and make sure that when you come to their plant or you come to, you know, their office building, that you're going to get along with everybody and that you're going to be somebody fun to be around. So, you know, that's why I kind of say, make sure you bring that personality. But if you stumble over something, don't freak out about it. It's okay. You know, you can definitely recover. Steve, I'm going to throw, I'm gonna, there's a few questions flowing in now. So uh, Steve, I'm going to throw this one at you. How were you able to shift mindsets between industries with interviews every hour for several hours in a row? Which is kind of the question you asked me on Saturday night, Cliff. Maybe not exactly that way, but that was a lot of what I thought you were driving at in that question Saturday night. Steve, go for it. Uh, just a complete brain dump. Um, like you, you'll have your, your worksheets. I had like sticky notes on my computer. I have one on my computer right now. Uh, I had sticky notes up on my monitor. And as soon as I was done with my interviews, I kept all that. Cause like during the follow-up process, there's, there's good notes, but I took all my sticky notes down. I put it on the worksheet. I threw it on the floor and I grabbed my next stack and it's like, all right, here we go. Um, there's, there's another question that kind of ties into that, that Pete, if you don't mind, if I can like Please. give my experience on that really quick. So example of an interview that didn't go so well, 
I had an interview for a different marketing position that I was super excited about. Like it was the, like my number one job that I wanted to go and like apply for interview for uh, going into the conference. Um, and I bombed it. I absolutely bombed it. It did not go well, but I had it. I had two interviews that backed up right one or after another. So like one ended and I had to dial into the next interview. I had no time to like decompress. Um, but just like having the physical moving and like putting up sticky notes. So the only thing that was in front of me was that next interview it definitely helped me going in that next interview. And I did extremely well with uh, that next interview. So um, yeah, just, just brain dumping, having like a physical process, getting the, the last interview out of sight um, and then only bringing it up. Like if you call Pete or Joel or uh, one of the other Cameron Brooks people in between interviews and like doing a, a like a debrief on how things go. Yeah. Um, but yeah. How do you know you bombed it? It was just, oh, was just, I wasn't comfortable on all of my interviews. Like the interviewers like made me feel comfortable and I was comfortable giving my answers, but it was, it was, ah, it was, and it was, my, it wasn't the interviewer's fault. They were like the nicest guys. Um, they, they really helped me out, but I just, I think I hyped up the interview so much that when they started asking me questions, they're, they're more, um, how do you questions? Uh, and it was my second interview on the second day and the entire first day I got a lot of the significant accomplishments. So I didn't rehearse in interviews, like the, how do you questions uh, as much going into this interview? And I just, I just didn't feel good about it. Um, and I was kind of a bummer that I was really excited about it. Didn't feel like I did well, but it was okay. I, I moved on, went into the next interview and just went on with it. John tackle that question as well. If you would here, I'll, I'll, I'll throw it out there for the group. Um, give an example of an interview that didn't go so well. If you fumbled an answer, how did that interviewer react? So I think the hardest interview for me was one where the interviewer asked uh, a, a variation on one of the questions that I had prepared from the DPP. And instead of asking a weakness question, it was asking if I contacted uh, your last commander and asked them to describe a weakness that you have. Right. And it's it's a similar question, but it is slightly different. Right. And so I I kind of tried to explain it using the answer that I had prepared for my weakness answer. And he was having none of that. So so he just <laughs> he followed up. He said, well that John, I'm, I'm not going to accept that. And I want I want a little bit more detail. I want a, a little bit of a different situation. And so it, it took a few tries uh, with with that guy. And he just kept digging deeper. He really wanted to understand. And so it just highlights the importance of being really well prepared on some of those less comfortable questions, but also being prepared for variations and unexpected surprises. Um, and, and yeah, so that was that was uncomfortable, but it was it was fine. Can I add something to that? Yeah, really please. Quick? Uh, so I got a similar questions where they asked me something completely off the wall and I didn't have like the perfectly tailored answer to that question. It's okay to ask for like a moment to think of an answer. Like I did that multiple times throughout my interviews. Um, it's usually only once per interview. So like I wasn't, didn't know any of the answers. Um, but it's okay to be like, that is a really great question. Uh, I'm going to have to take a moment to think about it. And like, like literally take a couple seconds to, to think about your answer. So you know that you're answering the question that they're asking. Cause yeah. that I think is more important than totally. just like giving the, the pre pre scripted yeah. answer. The answer. It's great. All right. Well, there's one more question. I'm going to throw it. We're going to throw it to Rachel and then cliff. I'm going to ask you to weigh in on that as well. All right. So the, the, the question is all these answers are so natural. How do you bring so much personality to your answers? Did you do anything specific to develop that? I think just for me, just practicing having conversations with people, I think a lot of times it's not something that, you know, at least for me, I don't have a lot of experience doing that, especially with strangers. So like, I would just practice having conversations with people, like if it was in the grocery store or whatever, like just walk with someone and be like, hey, like, how's your day going? Like if you're in line next to them. So I think that helps. And just like you, 
the people you're interviewing with are also humans, you know, it's not like you're interviewing a robot. So, I mean, sometimes some of their questions won't really make sense either that <laughs> they ask you. So like, I don't know, I think just approach it as like, you're just talking to another person, like it's describing something about yourself. I think that mindset really helps. Excellent. Cliff, can you, can you weigh in on that as well? Yeah. You know, I touched on it a little bit earlier, you know, the DPP is amazing and it is a great guide. But I would very, very much caution you against, you know, trying to memorize all of those answers, because at that point, you know, you're basically going to try to play whack-a-mole or, you know, you're going to try to connect dots and it's just not as natural, you know, go through, go through your resume, you know, go, you know, remember kind of everything that's on your resume and take a little bit of time. You know, when I developed my resume, I went through all my evals. You know, in the army, we have evaluation support forms that maybe have some data that was not captured in your evaluation. I captured all of that data into my, my initial draft of the resume. I knew it really, really well. And so then when I was asked some of these off the wall questions, or even when I was asked DPP like questions, if I had something in the back of my mind that was just instantly came to mind, I didn't try to force what I had studied. You know, I brought that out, you know, and that's really the the, the number one piece of advice I can give to people is it is a great guide, but don't be so formulaic with it. You know, make sure that you use it as that as a guide. Yeah. If I may add to this only because I say it every, maybe not every day, but almost every day. And I think it's as important as some, I don't think memorized answers are important at all. So this is really Cliff's point. I just want to, I just want to add a little bit to that. I sell people all the time, memorize the method for how to answer interview questions. Don't memorize the answer. Knowing the bluff star, for instance, intimately allows you to do what Cliff just described, which is like, well, I have this answer that's prepared, but the way this person's asking me this question, it actually think, reminds me of this other thing. So I'm gonna plug this other thing into the format, not like a robot, obviously, but, but try to make that as natural as possible so you can be, be very flexible in the conversation. I think the other thing, I just wanna say this real quick, is you don't always have to go through every step of the bluff star. Like, it just depends on the conversation. So, so how do you prepare for that? Back to the original question and the original answer that Steve gave us, you gotta be in a study group. Yeah. At, at least in my mind, the best way to prepare for stuff like this is practice through real life repetition as best you can. So, with that, thank you. Congratulations to all of you. Two of you have accepted. Two more are on the cusp of accepting. And uh, I'm, I'm super uh, proud to have worked with you. And I'm grateful that you're partnered with us, not only through our current process, but I mean, we're, you know, now we're always partners, regardless of what happens. So um, best of success in your move to your next position. If I can be a, a resource in any way, please let me know. All right, that's it. Thank you guys. Have a great night. I really appreciate your time. Good luck. Hey, everyone. Thanks for listening to the podcast. All right, we'll have another one in two weeks. Our next episode, Joel and Hope and I are going to have a discussion about the four mindsets of military officers as they're considering or making the move from the military to corporate America. You don't want to miss it. Stay, stay tuned for that one. Until then, have a great day.